0: Hey y'all, I'm Melanie,
1: and I'm Jason,
0: and you're listening to the Old North State Podcast. We're bringing you on a deep dive into all things North Carolina. Hello.
1: Welcome back again.
0: Yes. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. <laughs> Chilling in the closet, enjoying the the beautiful weather. Hopefully, we're having the day this comes out. S- yeah. Speaking it into existence. Fingers crossed. So I hear you have a on this day. I do. What day is it?
0: It is February the twenty sixth, and um on February twenty sixth, nineteen oh nine, the Roanoke Rappers. Rapids,
1: at the basketball team? Yeah,
0: the Roanoke Rapids Paper Manufacturing Company produced the first sulfate-processed craft paper in the United States. That was a mouthful. (laughs) The what? (laughs) (laughs) The first sulfate-processed craft paper. So, um, like, like, brown, you know, like, Brown paper, craft paper, just really strong paper.
1: Construction paper?
0: Kind of. You know, you know how like, like, like paper bags.
1: (laughs) I always thought that was like, it was brown because it was recycled.
0: I don't know. (laughs) That's just what the internet tells me.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for that fun fact. Um, I'm sure everyone learned something that they've never heard before. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, I also have a cold case to round out um, our Black History Month of trying to focus on some old cold cases in North Carolina with Black and African American victims. So, on the night of August 29th, 1990, 46 year old Emma Mae Terry was found dead under the carport of her home in Townsville by her husband. She had been brutally assaulted with a knife and a cinder block, and anyone with information is asked to contact the Vance County Sheriff's Department or the North Carolina SBI. So, what are we talking about today?
1: Uh, Johnson C. Smith.
0: Yeah. What do you know
1: about Johnson C. Smith?
0: Um, that it's an HBCU.
1: What's that mean? a A
0: historically black college and university.
1: Okay, where is it?
0: It is in Charlotte, North Carolina, right outside of Uptown.
1: Yeah, I um when I used to take Beatty's Ford home down instead of the Beatty's Yeah, yeah. Instead <laughs> of the highway. I was changed my mind last second if I wanted to say Beatty's Ford or if I wanted to say Sixth Street too. And then it came out Beattie's. But anyway, so I used to drive pretty much um right past it every day on the way home from work. And mm-hmm. sometimes I still choose to take that way home. Um because they have a beautiful view of the city right over 77 from one of their stadiums. Yeah. Which is nice to see. And uh, they have some spooky cemeteries in that area as well. They that do. we have driven through a handful of times. <laughs> so, just some fun facts. Um, just standard stuff about Johnson C. Smith. Their mascot is the Golden Bulls. Um, which is cool because, like, if you're driving um, where the detour was taking you when they had that intersection closed... You'll go right behind where I think their football stadium is or one of them is and there's this giant golden bowl statue and like when you look over it, you see the, the skyline behind it. So if you're in the area, definitely check it out. The colors are gold and blue. They have about 1600 undergraduate students and 160 faculty members. Their motto is sit lux or let there be light. They are a Division II school and part of the CIAA, and twenty-four undergraduate degree programs and one postgraduate. So, going into the history, Johnson C. Smith University is a private, historically Black university in Charlotte. It was established on April seventh, eighteen sixty-seven, at a meeting of the Catawba Presbyterian, an old Charlotte Presbyterian church. Two men. Rev. Samuel C. Alexander and Rev. Willis L. Miller saw the need for a school in this part of the South. The charter had created, at the church meeting, established the school as the Freedmen's College of North Carolina, and the two reverends became teachers. The first class session was held May 1, 1867, and was attended by only eight men. A woman named Mary Biddle, which that name comes back later, who was from philadelphia pennsylvania donated 1400 to the school after seeing um, appeals in one of the church papers because of the sizable donation people asked her to name the school she named it after her late husband captain henry jonathan biddle who had been killed during the battle of glendale in 1862. now i looked up that battle mm-hmm. um it's during the civil war because yeah. uh, i got that big like battles of the Civil War book from mm-hmm. book buyers. And I I think it was an episode or two ago we were talking about how like some of these battles they only have like um like three casualties on each side. This one had in like it was around like three hundred or it was around like three thousand on both sides, but only like three hundred or so on each side died during the battle. The rest was infections afterwards. Gross. Yeah, that's that's how it happened so. Um, But from 1867 to 1876, the school was named Biddle Memorial Institute. Biddle Memorial Hall was erected to serve as the main administrative building in 1883.
0: It featured recitation
1: recitation rooms (laughs) and a 600C audience chamber. And it's still there today. Yeah. What do we have to do to get our name on a university? And I don't say pay money because I I refuse to do it. But there has to be something else. Pay money. Maybe like save the chancellor's daughter from a fire or something. No. No.
0: They don't do that. You got to pay money.
1: That's lame. What if I was like just hung around and saved a bunch of cats from like trees?
0: Oh, because when I worked in housing, we would have to. um, Well, I didn't have to, but they would have to figure out names of the buildings that they were building as residence halls, and it came down to
1: who donated the most. Who
0: paid the most money? Yeah,
1: that's land. <laughs>
0: that's why, and at one point, they changed um, two of the building's names. For UNCC? Yeah, for UNC Charlotte. They changed two of the building's names to, um, they changed, it was like Laurel, they changed something. Because they were all named after trees, but anyway. They changed, um, only for a short period it was supposed to be, to names of people who had donated money.
1: Yeah. That's how it goes. In 1876, a Charlotte man named Colonel W.R. Myers donated the first eight acres of land for the school. These eight anchors' lands were, at the time, the highest point in Charlotte. The same year, the name was changed by the legislative to Biddle University and operated under that name until 1923. Also in 1876, the Bachelor of Arts degree was offered, the first Bachelor of Arts degree. In 1891, the school's first African-American president, Reverend Dr. Daniel Jackson Sanders, began his tenure. He was born and enslaved in Winsboro, South Carolina in 1847. He attended the Brainerd Institute and then graduated from Western Theological Seminary. He was a Presbyterian clergyman and published the afro african american Presbyterian newspaper. Um, He was the first African-American president of a four-year college in the South. He was president for 17 years, and upon his death, the Charlotte Observer reported that his students were always (laughs) well-behaved. So, ran a tight (laughs) ship. Yeah. Um, But good for him, you know? It it seems like one of the ways... I never, like, looked back thinking about, like, how people got, like, their money. Like, how old people got their new money during that time. And I always forget that... um, becoming like a clergyman was almost like climbing a corporate ladder, where you had all of these like setups and schools, and that was one of the few ways to to make something of yourself was going through the yeah the church circuit.
0: You want me to go? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the first intercollegiate black football game was played by Biddle University against Livingstone College in December of eighteen. 92 in Salisbury, and Livingstone College is still there today as well. Um, Biddle won 5-0, and because it was snowing and snow had covered the entire field, they had to stop the game, so Biddle was declared the victors. The game is still played every year, and it's known as the Commemorative Classic. In 1919, Biddle University became the first black college in the South to offer professional courses in education. There was another woman from Pennsylvania, so Mary Biddle um, was from Philadelphia, and this next woman, I believe, was from Pittsburgh. Her name was Jane Barry Smith. She gave funds to build a theological dormitory, a science hall, a teacher's cottage, and a memorial gate. So... um, her late husband was Johnson C. Smith. And I learned that the C in Johnson C. Smith stands for crayon. Like crayon, but crayon with an A.
1: Is that like the middle name, or was it yeah. just like a coloring enthusiast?
0: His It's <laughs> <His> middle name. <laughs> just joking. Um, so in addition to all of those gifts that I just named, she gave them like a ton of money. I'm talking like a ton of money. And um so it was over $700,000 at that time, mm-hmm. which in today's money is $10 million.
1: So, they named... Wow. $700,000. Yeah.
0: yeah. What did I say? Seven hundred. I. Yeah, she gave them <laughs> $700,000. <000. laughs> so, they named um, the school after Johnson C. Smith.
1: Very nice, but not her. Not her. Who actually gave the money. Yeah. Just her, her late husband. Yeah, because... I'm not going to go off on
0: a tangent. I'm just going to move on.
1: (laughs) Jane Barry Smith.
0: Yeah. Um, So in 1924, Johnson C. Smith University was recognized as a four-year college by the North Carolina Board of Education. There was a high school department at the time, and then it was dissolved in 1929. And uh, the standard program was restricted to a college of liberal arts and sciences and then a theology department. And... I'm not sure if I wrote it on here somewhere but I know at one point the theology department um like moved to Atlanta for some reason
1: as like a satellite school.
0: No, I, I think that or... they I think that they picked up the theology department and moved it to Atlanta and then named it something else. Hmm. So, um I don't remember what year that was, but I did read that. And then um, the charter for the university was amended in 1932, finally to allow women to be admitted, um, but only kind of like the senior class, basically. So it wasn't until 1941 that women were finally admitted to the freshman class, and that made it a fully co-ed institution. Cool. So um, James B. Duke, if you'll remember from our Black Wall Street episode, We talked about Washington Duke. Um, James Duke uh, authorized what's called the Duke Endowment, and um, it made Johnson C. Smith one of the four beneficiaries and only HBCU in higher education to be awarded some of this money, and I think that they get 4% from the endowment. And it has awarded them numerous grants over the years, um, I think over $90 million dollars and it has supported science programs, created scholarships, capital improvement projects. Um, They've built buildings. Uh, The Metropolitan College has come out from this, and then the 62,000 square foot science center that houses their STEM program. And the first residence hall for women was also named in memory of James B. Duke. Hmm. Let's see, in 1939, 38, excuse me, it became an independent college affiliated with the Presbyterian Church and in 1944 Johnson C. Smith University joined the United Negro College Fund um, as a founding member and the fund is still active today and um, at the time it was organized to help church-affiliated schools with training programs, help their faculty growth, stuff like that, and um, it Today, it's providing tens of thousands of students with grants, scholarships, just helping them kind of, you know, push their education forward. And in 1975, the school was added to the National Register of Historic Places. And then, something that I found really cool, which I had no idea about, um, in 2000, the school gained national recognition by launching the IBM Laptop Initiative, known as ThinkPad U. So, what they do is they give an IBM laptop to every student. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So it it was the first HBCU to do that, and it's one of the only colleges in the country that does that. So, something that's.
1: Do you think they're still doing that?
0: Yeah, I I'm pretty sure they are.
1: Because um, in two thousand, it's like. Probably none of these kids going into college had a laptop
0: at the time, yeah, but I feel which, like
1: at this point, you can't go into the sixth grade without having a laptop yeah. at home.
0: Um, I think at the time, it was like one in every ten students had a laptop, Yeah. and so when they did this, like every student had one, which was the point.
1: Then, yeah, level of playing field.
0: Yeah, so there are some notable alumni. Uh, Richard Irwin, who was the first black federal judge in North Carolina. He was appointed by President Jimmy Carter. Quentin Hillsman, who is currently the head women's basketball coach for Syracuse. Um, Fred Neal and James Sanders, who were Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> 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 um, Leiford Green and Shermaine Williams were members of the Jamaican National Olympic track team in 2012. I believe that Shermaine went back in the um, 2016 Olympics, but I think Leaford was only there for 2012. I'd have to look back at that.
1: Still, uh,
0: Still pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Theresa Elder was the first African-American public health nurse in Charlotte. Edward Dudley was the first African-American to hold rank as an ambassador to the United States. He was the ambassador to Liberia. Reginald Hawkins was the first african-american to run for governor of North Carolina and then feo or rose tour i believe is how you pronounce it was a civil rights activist and the first black female judge in alabama and Very those are cool. just some of the notable alumni there was a ton yeah so there are several nfl players several nba players a few canadian football league players Lots of other important people. Some of them, I didn't know how to pronounce their names, so I wasn't going to include it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) when I was a a manager at that apartment building in Uptown as a previous job, I had a lot of my part-time employees were Johnson C. Smith students because they were looking for a part-time job, whether it be overnight or on weekends or, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, and it was close by.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So previously on an episode, we had mentioned that we were curious if johnson c smith was haunted so we did some research and so far the answer is no yeah um an abundance of no like you type in haunted universities in charlotte and queens everywhere Mm-hmm. um everyone talks about queens but i figured there had to be something we did find this one personal like wordpress blog that a woman had made doc trying to it seems that she was trying to, like, chronicle her experience at Johnson C. Smith, but there's only, like, four things Yeah. back in 2006 or something. So, you know, good for her for trying to start her own blog, but yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't go anywhere. But one of her submissions was about how she heard something was haunted. So in quotations, she said, it has been said that Johnson C. Smith was built on the highest point in Charlotte. That's actually something that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Biddle, the first building built on campus, is the center of the university. It has also been said that it is haunted. And if you look at Biddle building outside at 1 o'clock, like, so if you're outside looking in, um, you can see Johnson C. Smith's daughter on the fourth floor, the ghost of her. So pretty, pretty spooky. Um, I feel like every university has their ghost stories, so I wonder if this is just one of those things that gets told to freshmen on the way in and then no one's ever bothered to really write it down or anything.
0: Yeah, because if you look up Biddle Hall, Haunted... Nothing. Um, A school in Ohio comes up.
1: Oh, I didn't even find that.
0: Oh, yeah, it was like... I think it's Ohio University, but it we had to do some deep digging to find this one.
1: Yeah. So... So if you're at home listening and you're like, that's crazy, I went to Johnson C. Smith and, you know, this building was haunted. Just tell us.
0: Yeah, we would love to know. Yeah. I posted um, asking if anybody knew on the Spooky account, but nobody responded.
1: No one responded.
0: That's okay.
1: Yeah. So um, anything else that you want to share with the class?
0: No, not today.
1: Cool. Um, Speaking of ghosts, though, I figured we can sneak this in. Um, I think we have some extra time. We yeah. went to Devil's Logic. We did. We went on our very first, like, or organized our very first ghost hunt, really.
0: Yeah, with Hex cool. Files.
1: Hex Files pod. If you're into the paranormal stuff, make sure to follow them. Um, do you want to recap our experience real quick? You can. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, Devil's Logic Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina. Last October, so October 2020, they invited uh, Melanie and I so, just talk about Halloween and stuff. And then, um, long story short, is a few people had mentioned they felt weird overall. Melanie, you felt weird in some spots. Mm-hmm. Um, reached out to people on Instagram, and then next thing you know, it turns out there's like magic symbols that are hidden inside of their murals. And the guy who made the murals is saying the brew house has a spirit in it. And, you know, people are posting on my Instagram post saying that they're spirits and they feel like they're being watched while they're alone. So, we just decided that we really just wanted to go and check it out. So we went with Hex Files and, um, brought some of our ghost hunting equipment. And so did they, um, they did a tarot card reading for the building. Uh, one of their, like, staff kind of just gave us a tour around and we brought the, um, what is the EVP reader, the energy EMF. EMF reader, um, and we did a Ouija board for the first time, and we did the Estes method, which is when you listen to, like, the spirit, spirit box. box with the headphones on, and people ask you questions but you can't hear them, and you say the answers through the, I mean, through the spirit box. So, yeah, it was cool. Nothing, we didn't really find anything, like, concrete evidence or anything, and Hex Files is still reviewing the tape to see if hear any responses from when we were asking questions. But overall, it's just a cool experience to be at a brewery after hours. Yeah. Um, have the whole place to ourselves really, and, you know, dig into the, the history of the building um, and see if we found anything. So they are going to do a longer episode about the whole experience, but I was just excited and want to talk about it because, you know, yeah. we like talking about ghosts and stuff.
0: Has that episode come out yet?
1: No, they're still looking through the footage. They did oh. say that they went back um, for them a second time. Or a third time, I guess, because we went with them mm-hmm. one time before the ghost hunt. But they said they went back and the equipment was acting like the same type of weird, which will make more sense if you listen to their episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: Huh. Cool stuff. Yeah. Also, devil's logic, if you live in Charlotte and you like beer,
1: they yeah. have really good beer. Excellent, <laughs> excellent beer. They have a cool kitchen, plenty of space. They have, like, an inside and outside and upstairs, so yeah. if, if you're still going to breweries... And you go at the right time, you can kind of... You can pretty much go and have an entire floor to yourself. Which is yeah. nice.
0: The staff is super nice. We really like them there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Alright, cool. That's all I got.
0: Yep, me too.
1: What's What are we talking about next week?
0: Next week, we are going to be talking about our first true crime case. Um Oof.
1: I'm not a fan, of The true crime.
0: Too bad. It's so a, sad. It's a
1: little too true for me.
0: Well, that's... Why they call it true crime and not,
1: and not fake news. Not what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. See you next week then.
0: Yes. Have a good one. Sources for today's episode can be found on our website at anchor.fm slash oldnorthstatepod. If you want to send us a topic suggestion, a funny story, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at oldnorthstatepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Old North State Pod. Cheers, y'all!